Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Cala Cofield. The massive black hole at the center of our galaxy is about to eat a snack. An object referred to as G2 is making a very close swing around the black hole, and it's going to lose some of its mass as it goes by. And astronomers are hoping they will be able to watch that matter fall into the black hole and see what happens. This could be the first time astronomers get to observe a black hole eating something at a very close distance and over possibly a very short period of time. Today on the podcast, we're talking to a couple of astronomers about some of the many things they stand to learn from this event. You're listening to the Physics Central Podcast. This is the first time we have ever seen the black hole interacting with an object within its environment. We have hypothesized that there is an interaction between the environment around the black hole, but it, this is the first time we've ever been able to see that interaction in action. So I think that's why we're so excited about it. This is Andrea Gez, a professor of physics and astronomy at UCLA. And I study the center of the galaxy, uh, and in particular, the black hole that resides there. It's a very exciting time in the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Sagittarius A star is the name of that supermassive black hole that lives at the center. It is four trillion times the mass of the sun. And an object known to astronomers as G2 is making a loop around Sagittarius A star. At the center of the galaxy, there's a lot of interesting objects, and they're all in motion around the center of our galaxy, in particular the black hole. And so the question is, what makes this object stand out in comparison with any other object? And initially, it, it didn't distinguish itself in any, in any way. It was on an orbit that's fairly short, but many objects in this region have similar characteristics. But what made it very special um, just a few years ago is that it started to show signs of gas being stripped off in, uh, the outer layers. Uh, and this was an, uh, a signature that the black hole was beginning to interact with this object as it moved closer and closer to the black hole. G2 is itself a massive object. In 2008, it was estimated to be about 9 billion miles across. That's the distance from the sun to the edge of our solar system. But recently, due to the force of the black hole, G2 has been stretched out into a much longer and thinner form. At their closest approach, G2 and Sagittarius A star will be separated by a distance of about 18 billion miles. That's about twice the distance from the sun to the edge of the solar system. Currently, models of G2's trajectory suggest that most of the object will escape the black hole. But it also looks as though some of the gas and dust that's been falling off G2 will fall onto the black hole. So astronomers might get the chance to watch a live black hole feeding. I think one of the fundamental things that we're trying to establish in the case of G2 is, will we see the black hole re react? Is there enough mass that's being added to the, the, the general flow that we will see any change in the characteristics of the black hole? Scientists can't actually see black holes because they are, as the name implies, black. They are totally dark. 
But as matter falls into a black hole, it often radiates. So scientists talk about accretion, which is the matter falling onto the black hole, and emission, the radiation that comes from that matter. So as a black hole accretes matter, it tends to radiate, and this makes it possible to see black holes. But the black hole at the center of the Milky Way is extremely and mysteriously dark. While it appears to be, to be on a continual uh, diet of, of matter falling onto it, it's very quiet about that. Um, that, that it's, I don't know, like what's the right analogy here to use? Um, it has very polite dining habits. It's very quietly. So we don't see a lot of the emission associated with it. And in fact, it's so faint, it's unusually faint. Some astrophysicists say it should be eight to ten times brighter. And so one would like to see the accretion rate go up, in other words, more matter to fall onto it, to see if the amount of emission associated with that um, increases. And there, there are some theories that su- suggest that that should be the case. One of the really exciting things about this event is not only that it's happening in our own galaxy, it's also happening over a very short time scale. Short, at least cosmologically speaking. Well, I think there are two kinds of actions that we're looking for. One is the effect on the object itself. And the effect on the object itself, a lot's going to be learned in the next year. And then the second piece is what's the impact on the black hole? And there, the, the time scale for this is much less certain. Uh, because you need the matter to flow from where it is today down to the black hole. So this is why um, we're all waiting, but I think we're going to have to monitor for some time to really complete the story. In the next 10 months or so, astronomers should be able to determine exactly what G2 is. Right now, G2 looks like a bright blot orbiting Sagittarius A star, but it is still far enough away that astronomers can't see its more detailed structure. Now, scientists know that it's leaking gas and dust, so it could be a standalone gas cloud. Or there could be a star at the center of that gas cloud producing the gas. Now, if G2 is a star, it will make it around the black hole mostly unscathed. But a gas cloud is not that compact, and a swing around this black hole is basically going to totally smear it out. Uh, If I may go first, absolutely. If in 2015 the object appears to be as compact as it was in 2011, then there has to be an internal gas supply for the object. If it's completely smeared out and uh, barely visible, then it was a gas cloud. So there's a very simple uh, thing, and we we just have to to wait and watch. This is Stefan Gillison. Stefan Gillison, working at the Max Planck Institute for Extraterrestrial Physics in Germany, and I'm working uh, on infrared observations of the Galactic Center. Gillison was part of the team that first identified G2's interesting behavior back in 2011. He falls on the side that this is a gas cloud. Gez thinks it's a star. There are good reasons to believe both sides. Gez thinks that if it's a gas cloud, it should already be more smeared out than it is. Gillison doesn't think it's necessarily gone through its closest approach, and that if it is a gas cloud, it will still get smeared out over the next year. Now, if G2 is a star and it's producing all this excess gas, that would be very atypical. So that sort of suggests it's a gas cloud. But that doesn't rule out the star theory. 
it could just be that this is actually a class of stars that astronomers have never seen before. If there is a star at the center, it's a star that's unlike any other star that we know. So I think it may give us insight into many of the other phenomena that we're seeing at the center of the galaxy. Gez has been studying the galactic center for about 20 years. She and her team were leaders in showing that there is a supermassive black hole living there. She says in the last 10 years, scientists have significantly sharpened their view of this very busy region of space, and it's turned out to be a very surprising place. This region, the environment around the black hole, looks nothing like what um, was predicted uh, to be there. And so today, much of our work is driven not by under, to understand whether or not there's a black hole, we're convinced that, that it is, but to understand what role the black hole plays in the formation and evolution of the galaxies by understanding how it interacts with those stars, what kind of stars reside in this region, um, what the properties of the gas are, and anything that we can do to understand how black holes form and evolve. Just by falling into Sagittarius A star, the matter from G2 will act as a probe of the environment immediately around the black hole. The matter could fall quickly and easily, like it's moving through a vacuum, or it could experience some resistance, like it's falling through water, or it could become very delayed if the environment around the black hole has a high viscosity. And right now, scientists just don't know what the matter from G2 is likely to encounter. The real time it would take material to fall in from this outer distance, this outer radius, all the way into the supermassive black hole is uncertain at the level of being somewhere between months and literally hundreds of years. So we, we don't understand um, that viscosity really at all or what that viscous time scale is. And so to actually have a probe of it is a unique, a truly unique opportunity. This is Daryl Haggard. She's a Sierra Fellow at Northwestern University, where she studies supermassive black holes. She has recently turned her attention to Sagittarius A star. For her, this event could provide some new information about how black holes live and grow. Some theories suggest that black holes grow actually a lot like humans. They have a big growth spurt in their early years, and then the growth peters off and they live most of their lives at an average size. But there are also theories suggesting that the growth is more staggered, that there are many short bursts of feeding and growing that happen throughout the black hole's lifetime. G2 doesn't have enough matter to cause Sagittarius A star to grow by any measurable amount, but it could help scientists understand if black holes consistently snack on objects like G2 throughout their lives. So how frequently do, do objects or small accretion events um, fall into the supermassive black hole or do accretion events happen? Um, and we have objects like G2, which are specific events. And then we also have observations of so-called light echoes um, in the X-ray where you can actually see sort of a, a front of light passing out through clouds that surround Sagittarius A star. And we can see those changing again over the course of many years. Um, and basically, you can see that kind of light echo passing out through the clouds. And that signifies that there was probably some sort of outburst of activity or some accretion activity um, from our supermassive black hole, maybe between 100 and 400 years ago. So the light echoes suggest that the black hole had another one of these snacks a few centuries back. 
And then there are these even larger structures called Fermi bubbles, which might signify another meal that our galactic center dined on a long, long time ago. And so we're beginning to piece together this picture about how intermittent accretion occurs onto super onto our supermassive black hole. And the hope would be to try to start to statistically tie that together to the sort of growth and feeding of supermassive black holes in general. Right now, astronomers are playing the game of watch and wait. Telescopes from all over the world in many different wavelengths of light are spending time looking at this region of the sky, gathering as much information as possible about what's happening there. There's a lot of people looking, and we will continue to look. So people are looking at radio wavelengths, X-ray wavelengths, gamma ray, infrared, and they're all coordinated. And the nice thing is that we're going to learn something about the center of the galaxy. We are so ignorant about this region, and our technology is changing so much um, that, that bringing all these new insights together simultaneously will certainly teach us something about the black hole. We're seeing this already. It's without a doubt going to be an interesting year. Thank you again to Andrea Gez, Stefan Gillison, and Daryl Haggard for being on the podcast. You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more of the Physics Central Podcast.